0: Alright, this is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast in 3, 2, and 1. Greetings, seam heads far and wide. This is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14. I am Casey Light, and it's a special Friday edition of the program because it is the day after opening day. This is our overreaction to opening day special edition podcast of the Blake Street Irregulars presented by Tap 14. I am joined just as I was yesterday by Anilo Pirro, head Rockies writer for milehighsports.com. Anilo, welcome back. What is going on, Casey? Uh, A lot to overreact to or not today? We don't really know. We, we don't know we don't know but yes uh, so much has happened uh, were you like me last night where it, it, you're sitting there it was seven forty, and i'm going this game doesn't start for another 30 minutes i'm gonna lose my mind because i've been watching baseball all day and all i want to see is my team play baseball yeah
1: i was in the exact same boat i was driving around all afternoon uh, yesterday listening you know satellite radio listening to the other calls of games and i was like when are the rockies gonna start when can i actually watch the team that i have to care about for work and whatnot it was Anticipation was building up But here's the thing too I want to throw out here At the beginning that was a late start time and a long game. It was. Oh my god! And, and
0: I tweeted this. Uh, I was keeping tabs on it. The game was so long we actually had the time to do this research. turned out to be the fifth longest opening oh day in my gosh, that's so history. Rockies history. Oh uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, and in fact, it was, it rivaled the game that they played two years ago when Trevor Story hit his yeah. multiple home yeah. runs. Uh, that was also a long game. Unfortunately, that game was long for the right reasons yeah. and last night's game was long for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. We'll dive into that in just a Quick moment. This is an overreaction to opening day edition of the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14. He's Anilo Pirro. I am Casey Light. And we are presented by Tap 14, located at 1920 Blake Street, just one half block from Coors Field, with their 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirits. You will find something you will love at Tap 14. All right, Anilo, there's no better day for overreaction on social media than opening day right because we've been waiting for five months plus to see real baseball being played we have all of these projections we have all of this stuff built up in our mind uh, of what this season's going to be like we're looking forward to 162 games coming up over the course of the next six months and all of that emotion gets bottled up and jammed into a three and a half hour window Um, the rockies lose they they lose sizably eight to two, in, in a game that was close for a while. Despite a rocky start to John Gray for John Gray. Um, the game got out of hand for a couple of different reasons. We'll we'll talk about those. But the thing that blew me away was, we, and it shouldn't because it's the internet and we see this, but as I'm watching the game and interacting with folks on Twitter, uh, just the, the the number of overreactions and the severe reactions that we saw last night. So I, I want to talk about a few of those that, that we saw. And we'll start from the top. Um, top of the first, DJ LeMay, comes out, smacks a dinger, mm-hmm. right? Great. Rockies have the lead, uh, but that wasn't really the story of the game for D.J. LeMahieu. The story of the game for D.J. LeMahieu was the fact that he was the only Rockies batter to come to the plate with runners in scoring position, and he was over 2 with two ground into two double plays. Um, D.J. LeMahieu has a double play problem. There's really no yeah. getting around it. He was second, I believe, in either the National League or the Majors uh, last year in total grounded into double plays uh, with 24. He's already got two on his register. Uh, the overreaction that we saw last night was DJ LeMahieu needs to be moved out of the number 2 spot. He shouldn't be hitting in between Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arnato Is that a fair reaction or is that an overreaction? I mean, I think it's definitely an overreaction. I mean, I, I just don't understand...
1: Look at the proven success that they've had in years past with that top three. You know, Blackman, Lemayhew, and Arenado. I mean, they are so dominant at the top end of the lineup. I mean, the only way you could justify that is if you want to balance out the lineup. And I think you'd rather move Charlie before you move DJ. Um, and sense, because I think you have more hitters that profile potentially better as a leadoff guy. I think that's a complete overreaction. I, I mean, listen, he hit the home run. He got the mojo started. And just because the game crumbled because of other factors on the pitching side of things, you want to kind of nitpick at DJ Lemayhew. Yes, he grounded into two, bo- two double plays. I think it's a a sincere overreaction, you know, game one, you know, this far in.
0: I would tend to agree with that. Again, we know, like I said, DJ LeMahieu is prone to ground into those double plays. uh, 24 last year, 19 the year prior, 20 the year before. Part of the reason is he's coming to bat with guys on base more often. He's got more opportunities to do that. Um, You know, DJ LeMahieu is not a lift and pull type of a hitter. He's a spray it around. He's a find the hole type of a hitter. So those things are going to happen. Uh, You know, I think one of the things that we might see a little bit more this year is, you know, we saw this last night, Charlie Blackman last year's batting champ didn't have of a hit, but he was on base twice because he took two walks. Yep. I think we're going to see Charlie Blackman see fewer pitches to hit. I think we're going to see him take a, a lot more walks this year. And so, you know, whereas last year Charlie Blackman might have been standing on second or third base or have already rounded the bases and touched yeah. home when DJ LeMay, who came to to the plate, uh, I think we are going to see quite a few instances where uh, it is Charlie on first. So, you know, obviously something to keep an eye on, but definitely not something where we need to move, say, Gerardo Parra or Ian desmond who's going to produce the same results yeah. ian desmond is going to give you the exact same results as dj lemahieu in that kind of a spot uh, let's let's move on in the lineup um, not too far down the lineup uh, a guy who also hit a home run in fact the rockies only offense yesterday came from a pair of solo home runs um, a timely home run uh, it helped bring the rockies to within one nolan Arenado got his first one out yep. of the way in fact uh he tied Vinny castilla who is still with the organization, Troy Tulowitzki, who's on the 60-day DL for Yeah, oh my
1: gosh.
0: <laughs> so I can't even, I can't even finish I that know. sentence without laughing. Um, uh, somebody said on Twitter yesterday, what do Jose Reyes and Troy Tulowitzki have in common? Uh, neither one of them started yeah. on opening day yesterday. Um, so and, and then uh, last but not least, I believe Carlos Gonzalez He's who was uh, in right field is on that list. Three opening day home runs for all of those guys, but Nolan Arenado hits an opening day home run. He's on pace for 162, correct?
1: yeah absolutely I I think that's a fair
0: (laughs) judgment to say you know considering how godly
1: Nolan Arenado can be at times I mean listen this guy just doesn't skip a beat at his age he's in the prime of his career and whatnot um you kind of come to expect this with Nolan. He's been locked in like a month. He, he was locked in after the last out of the wild card game. Let's be honest here. Um, I mean, he's been itching for this moment and I think, you know, it, it's I think he had a pretty good wild card game as well if I don't if I remember correctly. He always seems to be the one guy on that team regardless of the circumstance to always be prepared for the moment. Whether you're playing against the Mar- Miami Marlins or whether you're playing against, you know, opening day in the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, listen, he is a sensational talent. Mike Schmidt, I believe, just came out the other day and said he believes he has the potential to be the best third baseman of all time. You know, he's certainly uh, coming from the
0: best third baseman. Exactly. All time. He's certainly <laughs> making a case for
1: that at this point in time. So listen, Nolan's going to be Nolan. That's what you saw last night.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, you know, Ronnie K and I were talking about this yesterday. He thinks Nolan's going to hit 45 plus home runs. Yeah, That's crazy. But I, I think I mean, it's not within 45. It's, it's it's within reason. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. He's got 42 and 41 back in 2015 and 2016. <laughs> um, I- I was being a little yeah. hyperbolic and saying that he's only going to hit 28 uh, yeah. to match his number. I, I don't think that's, you know, the, look, he, he hit 37 last year, uh, but he also had 43 doubles. Um, so he kind of was a little bit of a trade off the, you know, one power for the other power. Um, you know, so much of it, I think, is going to depend on how the hitters behind him are doing. For if sure. Trevor Story is continuing to struggle or if Carlos Gonzalez is in that spot behind him, uh, how many pitches Nolan gets to hit and hit with power is really going to be dependent upon who's hitting behind him. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's overreact to say Nolan Arnauto is going to hit 162 and, and push an MLB record. Um, you know, but it's not to say that he couldn't be pushing 40 again as he has for the last three years. Really quick, I just got an update on my
1: phone regarding Troy Tulowitzki that I think is kind of funny. He's going to get surgery on both of his feet to remove his
0: bone spurs. All right. So he well, started, he's, I think he's on the 60-day DL, isn't he? Well, be, yeah, yeah, he is on the 60-day DL and best of luck oh, yeah, to yeah, the yeah, Toronto yeah. Blue Jays so, who still have him under contract for so what funny. seems like at
1: least seven more years. Yeah, so. everyone <laughs> thought (laughs) Troy Tulewski was going to be, you know, the face of the franchise, you know, lead this team back to a champion or to their first championship, not back to a championship. But Nolan Arenado, you know, is has the
0: makeup to do that. Yeah, Nolan is the guy. It's a question of whether they're going to have to dole out a similar type of a contract for Nolan as they did for Tulo. Uh, That's (laughs) another conversation for another day. Let's continue on with some overreactions that we saw last night. Uh, We'll stick with the batting theme. Uh, Ian Desmond got off the Schneider early, got himself a base hit. Uh, Ian Desmond is back. He's going to be fine this year. I think that's a fair one. I don't think that's an overreaction by any means. I think, you
1: know, in, in the previous podcast that we did yesterday, we kind of really broke down Desi's situation and how there was a lot of outside circumstances that really prevented him from f- hitting his full stride last season. So, uh, you know, in conversations with him all throughout spring training, um, he seems like he's locked in and ready to go. Obviously, he's tinkered with his swing a little bit to try to make it a little bit more simplistic um, and get quicker, get to the ball a little bit quicker. Um, I think you saw that payoff last night with the base hit. So I, I think, you know, as we discussed, he's a two-time All-Star. It's going to take him a little bit of time to figure it out, but you know, game one is certainly a thumbs up for him.
0: Yeah, I, th- I thought he looked pretty solid. Uh, where I was very impressed, he had a couple of very nice scoops over there at first base. Yes, he did. So a- as we move on to the defensive side, uh, obviously. He- it was a tricky play um and and this happened and maybe this is a good segue to start talking about chris Russon. but in that inning where chris Russon sort of got touched for those what, what we'll call soft runs yeah. uh, bud black was was very adamant saying do not read into the box score uh that was a weird inning for chris Russon. obviously the leadoff walk um because that's really when the game started to get exactly. away from the rockies um but uh, what i'm what i'm getting at is is ian desmond on that bunt for a base hit didn't get that full extension stretch he, he had his his left foot on the Bag wasn't able to kind of do do the old one two where he moves his, his his feet and stretch and and ultimately that was the difference that that extra you know inch and a half two inches maybe maybe more like you know a half a foot was the difference between safe and out there and that extended that inning um, but I, I thought defensively what we saw from Ian Desmond was more than acceptable. Uh, Moving forward, absolutely. I mean,
1: listen. You know, we talked about it yesterday as well. He he told me at spring training that he's still he's still learning to play both first base and the outfield. These are still two positions that are not extremely you know familiar that he's not extremely familiar with. So more so specifically first base, there's a lot of nuances that go into learning that position. You know, to really be a lockdown defender through and through. Yep. You know, on the ground ball to third or short, he's going to be fine. But you know, on those crash plays on the bunt situation, there's going to be a little bit of hesitation and, and you know complex thinking that's going to have to go through before it gets natural for Desi.
0: Yeah, he he made a couple of nice picks uh, on ground balls to him as well as a couple of nice picks on throws to him where I really want to see, I think where the rubber's going to meet the road, is those twilight hours when sun is setting and he's staring directly into the sun there in Coors Field. There's some uh, construction that's happened there in uh, left field that sort of helped mitigate that yeah. a little bit, uh, but that to me has always been the toughest part of playing first base for the Colorado Rockies is staring directly Absolutely. into the sun there in those early innings of evening time games. Uh, let's talk about Chris Russon because we've we've brought him up. Uh, Chris Russon had the performance of the game for a time uh, coming in with the bases loaded and no one out really saved John Gray's bacon, at least saved his line uh, after John Gray loaded the bases uh, in the in the fifth inning with no outs. It was the second time he's done that on opening day uh, in back to back years. Uh, But Chris Russon comes in and manages to work a little bit of magic. Uh, He gets uh, a a strikeout. Then he gets a pop-out where Cargo made a fantastic play uh, and then gets a the fly-out to end the inning. Uh, Chris Russin, the the initial overreaction is Chris Russin for Cy Young.
1: Yeah, I mean... I- Definitely not for Asai
0: Young, but, you know, reliever of the year, whatever you want to consider it, uh, he's got to be in that
1: mix, you know, just based off his performance last year as well. And, you know, that's a marquee moment. There's only a handful of relievers that can come in with the bases loaded like that and get out of the jam like he did. Obviously, he ends up getting taxed for three earned runs and whatnot. But, you know, like you said, Buddy even said, don't read into the box score too much. Um, you know, there was eight earned runs total three on three on the back of John Gray, three on Russell, and two on Mike Dunn. I think of Russin, he is the one that you could really give the pass to, you know, because based off his track record, Based what he's based off what he's been able to show um, and whatnot, I'm not overreacting at all with Chris Russon's performance.
0: Yeah, and, and so those three runs that Chris Russon allowed, and that therein lies the 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 other overreaction that we saw, which was you know at that point it was a three to two game uh, because Nolan Arenado hit that home run, uh, it brought the Rockies to within one. Uh, at, at the moment when 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 Russon came into the game, it was three to three to one and looking like it could really get away from the Rockies fast, um, but. Russin does his job, uh, incredible performance there in the fifth. Nolan Arnato takes that momentum, gives him a run back. So now the Rockies are within one, but Russin comes back for the sixth, gives up a leadoff walk, always a cardinal sin, right? Um, then uh, Dyson gets that blunt single that we talked about. It was meant to be a sacrifice, but yeah. dude still has wheels even at his age. Uh, Owings gets the, the pop fly, the, the sacrifice fly. To, to move uh, the runner over then we get that sort of weird little squib play over to Nolan. We've seen Nolan make that play a lot of times where he barehands the ball, mm-hmm. but he just kind of he just didn't get that good yeah. grab on it. Turns into an infield single. Can't make a play at the plate. Uh, and at that point, they have to make the move because uh, you've got Pollock coming out, coming up, and and you can't let Chris Russon face AJ Pollock. So uh, and then ultimately, you know the the next uh, the next two runs did come around to score um, when Jake Lamb off of Scott Oberg hits that sort of. Uh, uh, you know, as uh, Bud Black called it after the game, the dorker. Yeah. Um, you know, we've heard duck fart. We've heard a lot of different <laughs> types of names for that. Look, it was a good piece of professional hitting. Let's not take anything away uh, from Lamb. But it, it w- there was not a single really hard hit ball in that inning. Um, yet I saw people on on Twitter per- particularly saying, what a joke. Why did we sign Brian Shaw? Why isn't he in the game there? Oh, my gosh. Um, y- Break down why that's an overreaction. Those are the overreactions that just don't
1: make any sense because it's not like. I don't even know where to start with that one, Casey. Like to be honest with you, it's just it's stupid. That kind of a take really is idiotic, in my opinion, because it's like Buddy Black knows the circumstances. It was a game. He doesn't want to put Brian Shaw in a negative situation out of the gate where he could potentially, you know, hurt his value to the team off the bat. Buddy Black is gonna be very safeguarded with guys like Brian Shaw and Wade Davis. He's only gonna use them in situations early on that he's gonna set them up set them up for success. So I mean, he went with an experienced guy that he's known longer than that guy, and that's really all I have to say on that. It's just
0: that's a dumb take. Yeah, it's the. Sixth inning. There's absolutely no reason to bring Brian Shaw in there. None. Look, if this is another wild card game, yeah, maybe all the stops to win. Even then, I mean, if you're looking for two innings from Shaw at that point, um, or something. But look, that's that's we're talking about a hundred and now sixty-two games down the road because we've got one hundred and sixty-one left. That'd be one (laughs) sixty. three the wild card type of a game um yeah it's way too early to start throwing out crazy ideas like that let's stick with the pitching um mike dunn touched for a couple of runs were you okay with mike dunn and and his performance Uh, i mean at that point it was a six to two ball game um he, he what concerned me i guess with with mike dunn is that both of the runs came with two outs yeah absolutely i mean and listen like
1: this is where we talk about early season jitters kind of getting in the way. I don't know if Mike Dunn necessarily suffer from that, but it's going to take a while to settle into a groove for some of these guys. Guys, and I think you see that a lot with the relief pitchers as well. It may sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to catch up to speed. I have no concerns with Mike Dunn. Listen, I, I think he knew the circumstances too. The Rockies honestly probably weren't going to win that game at that point. That kind of put the icing on the cake for the Diamondbacks. But an overreaction, I I, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I, I think after the, the Rockies sort of, uh, you know, the, the Hirano came in nice MLB debut for him. He gave up the single to Ionetta, but then uh got talkman to strike out looking. Um, kind of a, a piecemeal uh approach there in the seventh inning to keep the Rockies at bay uh, with R. G. Bradley finishing off DJ LeMahieu with that grounded into double play. But at that point, the wind had kind of been taken out of the sails. Look, Mike Dunn is not a full inning pitcher. No, really. Um, yeah. And so the fact that he came out and pitched a full inning, um, I'm not surprised by that. You know, Dunn led the team in appearances last year because he's a specialist. And so I uh, you really you're just trying to to milk some innings out of Mike Dunn and get him some some regular service time yeah. because he didn't see a lot of action in spring training because he's a vet. Don't worry about Mike Dunn, uh, but that is going to bring us now to oh man, John Gray. Um, John Gray struggled again on a big stage. In fact, it was the exact same stage. I wrote uh, the, the game recap last night. It was a fairly lengthy one because what stood out to me and, and sort of the, the core of this story was we saw the exact same thing from John Gray in the first inning that we saw from him in the wild card game, which was he let the game get out of his control early um, it he gave up three runs yet again in the first inning before he'd even recorded an out um, the 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 other piece of it was he did the same thing that he did last year on opening day he couldn't get out of the fifth inning so we had compounded problems we had not only did he have a bad first inning like he had in the wild card game he had a bad fifth inning like he had opening day last year where he gave up five runs without recording an out uh, is the, the overreaction that I saw was the stage is too big for John and I don't, I don't want to say that that's an overreaction because at this point it's starting to look that way. Is John Gray the big moment pitcher for the Colorado Rockies? At this point in time, no. I mean, listen, you know just as well as I do, I was advocating for the Rockies
1: to start Harman Marquez in that wildcard game last year. Why? Because I think John Gray is emotionally fragile at this point in his career. He doesn't have the mental toughness that you need to go out there and deliver on the big stage. And I tweeted, you know, after his outing, I said this is the exact kind of start John Gray needed to avoid. And, and you know, there's a lot of, we were talking about overreactions and whatnot, and there's a lot of people. Downplaying his start yesterday, but here's the thing: John Gray's had. I think you could say three big games in his career, two opening days in the wildcard game, and he's failed humiliatingly in all three of those. You have to look at it that way because you know, John Gray pitches well when he's comfortable. You know, a mid July game when he's in course field ten starts into the season. That's when you're gonna see peak John Gray. And while that's great, you need to see that from the get go. So I think John Gray's opening day performance, I, I don't think is an overreaction. I-, I think the Rockies have a legitimate problem on their hands if they continue to roll this out guy roll this guy out there thinking that he's
0: gonna go out and play like a, 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 you know, an all star pitcher yeah i he, here's the thing john gray has the potential and you saw it in each of those games you know last year john gray struck out seven in the opener yeah but then he gets touched for five without recording an out in an inning um he he cruised through the first four innings last year uh or and, and then the fifth yeah. bit him um we saw really good things from john gray in the second and the third innings uh and and the fourth inning really yesterday it was that first inning that, that he struggled and then and then obviously again in the in the fifth but, but you can't have it in pockets if you're going to be no, a true number one if you're going to be an ace which you know we've, we've talked so many times about that yeah. word um y- you have to deliver on it top to bottom you saw a guy a colorado kid yesterday go out with just absolute ice in his veins in tie block yeah. right who out clayton kershaw in dodger stadium making his first opening day start uh kudos to Ty and congrats to regis jesuit for for putting out such an awesome uh baseball product Here's what I love about Ty Block. His first MLB win came against Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. His first opening day win comes against Clayton Kershaw. Um, outduels him in a one nothing game. I mean, that's the kind of, as we say, the ice in the veins that you need from a guy who's going to start those types of games. Um, I would not start John Gray against Clayton Kershaw at no, this point. There's really no. no reason to.
1: And it'd be foolish to do that. And, you know, you kind of brought up the point yesterday when we were talking, you know, the comparison of... If the Rockies want to win a World Series this year, they have to kind of emulate the 03 Marlins. I mean, we brought up the Josh Beckett game where Absolutely. he came in there through a complete game uh, against, you know, the new shape murderers row that the Yankees
0: were at the time yep. well and, and against the pitcher Andy Pettit exactly. who had not lost in that postseason and had multiple world series wins clinching wins to his credit prior to that yeah. John Grey
1: has better stuff you know in terms of his outlook than than Josh Beckett will I mean let's just be honest there but he doesn't have the one thing that Josh Beckett had that pushed him over the top which is the mental edge the give me the damn ball attitude I'm going to mow you down in order and I'm going to embarrass you yep. at home you know, sort of thing. I mean, that, that is, it's just that's not what John Gray is right now. And, you know, that's very, very concerning. You know, we know the fastball velos there. We know he has the breaking pitches. But if you don't have the mental tenacity to
0: break through and deliver a dominant performance on the big stage, they're going to have problems. I, I tend to agree with that. Uh, the nice part is that game is in the past. Very. Yeah. Right. The next big game that could potentially be sitting in John Gray's lap would be the all-star game really i mean yeah. yes and he's, he's going to yeah. have big starts but when we're talking about national spotlight tons of people tons of eyes on him that kind of stuff there, there's look john gray's not going to start the no, all-star yeah, game let's, absolutely let's just not. let's be very fair about it even even if john gray goes out and, and wins i mean maybe some crazy situation where he wins you know every single game from now until then but look john gray's not going to be starting the all-star game so john gray is going to start to settle down and and that's great for john uh, but bud black has to file that away that start away in his memory banks and remember that he has to win. Mean, these next big, high-profile games come up, uh, because as we get into August, as we get into September, when crunch time games happen, you know, look, you have to stick with your with your rotation, um, but when you have the opportunity to play your rotation, you need to be wise mm-hmm. about it, and John Gray's not given uh, Bud Black a lot of reasons over it's... his last marquee starts to, to go with him. Let's wrap things up talking about a pitcher, uh, because there's... It, I don't want to I don't you tell me if this is overreaction or not, Uh, but I was I was really pleased to see this pitcher come out and pitch well, uh, because I have have honestly been pretty down on him over the last couple of years for for a number of different reasons. Um, I, I just I don't know that that. What he does is sustainable for as long as he's somehow managed to string it together. But Adam Adovino, uh he he did look good. He struck out the side. Uh, he he walked Daniel Descalso, <laughs> um, which is which is uh, don't That's even auto st- fashion. Yeah, man. it's it's pure it's pure auto. And and it and it's Descalso who you know there's so many r- little wrinkles with Descalso and his history with the Rockies and then going on to Arizona and he's just kind of been a Rockies killer yeah, um, really since has. going to Arizona. Uh, he, he got a walk there, but there's a long History between Ottavino and Discalso, uh, but he did, out, uh, surrounding that walk to Discalso, strike out the side, uh, a positive. Return for Adam Ottavino in twenty seventeen, yeah, or in twenty eighteen, compared to his twenty seventeen. I
1: think so, and I think there'll be a little bit less pressure on him. You know, with guys like Brian Shaw, Jake McGee coming back, uh, and and you know Wade Davis. I th- I'm I'm big on Carlos Estevez, who's on the DL, but I think that's another arm that the Rockies potentially have at their disposal. I think the Rockies had to rely on Ottavino a little more than they would have liked last year, and I think you know that mixed with him still you know, recovering from the Tommy John or whatever excuse there were, was out there for his poor performance. But I, I do think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be, you know, a nice guy for him, for the Rockies. But by no means can you get this guy the ball in the seventh inning in a one-run
0: game or an eighth inning in a one-run game. I, I'm i not there yet. Yeah, Adam Montavino's days of being a plus-side pitcher, I think, are, are in the past. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay because they, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, I believe it was... Uh, Mike Dunn, uh, or Jake McGee, forgive me, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it now. Eric and Les spoke to him at, at, um, at spring training, um, but it was one of the Rockies relievers who, who basically said, we don't have a, a negative arm on our, yeah. on our every guy on our, on our roster is plus side. I, I would disagree with that somewhat. I think Otto is probably at that point in his career, um, just because I, I think he's so, somewhat been solved. I think he's kind of been figured out yeah. um, in that in order for him to get the ball into the zone, uh, you know, guys, ha- guys if they are patient enough, um, they, they, it's sort of like cargo with that big sweeping slider. It's it's like the pitcher's oh inverse gosh. of that. Of like you know you know that cargo is going to swing at that yeah. pitch, and it's sort of the same thing with Otto. Of like if you just be patient, he's gonna hang one. He's gonna leave it there for you to hit. He's not able because that pitch has so much movement. He can't pick apart the zone necessarily. Mm. So um, I, I think there's definitely some you know. Maybe a little bit of overreaction and thinking that Adam Oviedo is going to go back to the form that he that he was in three four years ago. Absolutely, uh, but but it was nice to see that from Adam Montavino. Um uh, All right, we'll do, we'll do one more. We'll do one okay. more. Go, go ahead. Well, you, I was going to say. Well, what did you want to talk about? Because mine is kind of in relation to today's game. So so mine my, the the one more that I had um, it was something maybe that was a little bit of concern for me um, was and it it happened uh, late in the game it was it was actually the the inning where done, gave up those those runs yeah. were were tough but but what i would say are maybe Formerly makeable plays by Gerardo Parra and Carlos Gonzalez. Yeah. Um, one resulted in a triple. The other one resulted in a double. Both runs ended up coming around to score. But Gerardo Parra had kind of an awkward dive at a ball. There was some yeah. concern, obviously, there because he's you know still recovering on that right hand. Uh, and then Carlos Gonzalez sort of misread or got a little bit of a late jump and and a, and didn't make a play that that you know five years ago Carlos Gonzalez makes that play on the run. Two years ago Carlos Gonzalez makes that play sliding. This year. Am I overreacting? Because this is my reaction at this point. Am I overreacting, or is there a little bit of concern that the 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 age might be catching up to Gerardo Parra, or is this really just a matter of these two guys missed so much time in spring training? It's going to take a while for them to get back on the horse.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. It's going to take them a little bit of time. You know, you you kind of mentioned that Parra um, coming back from that wrist injury and whatnot, and Cargo just being you know an uh, another year older entering this season. So I think you know. Defensively on plays I, I think you know Especially that stadium That stadium is very weird I don't know if you've ever Been there I have not um, it, It's very no very problem. weird um, to, Just to play To play and whatnot. not But um, I, I'm not overreacting To that at all I, I think you know Both of those guys Are pros We know what they can Give you defensively And whatnot. So I, I think it may take Them a little bit of time But I'm curious to see how they react tonight. That's really what it comes down to for me. And, and, you know, that's what I wanted to mention here real quick because we were talking about Tyler Anderson being the number 2 pitcher. And I texted Ronnie after the game, or it was either after the game yesterday or this morning when I woke up, and saying, after John Gray's performance, how much confidence do you have in Tyler Anderson
0: to go out there and get you a win tonight? Seriously. I don't have very much. I I don't think a lot of people do. Um, The fact that he's facing Robbie Ray doesn't help. Uh, Robbie Ray was really strong last year, um, carried that team, especially early in the season when Zach Granke was still finding himself, for lack yeah. of a better term. Granke turned it around and actually had a, a very quietly dominant second half last year. I don't think he got nearly enough credit for how, how good he was late, but Robbie Ray was really good mm-hmm. early, really, really good early. Um, so, y- you know, if, if we see flashes of that again, yeah, it's going to be tough for Tyler Anderson. Uh, you know, look, I've been a Tyler Anderson optimist so I'll play that role Uh, you know obviously we want to see him come out this year the way that he ended last year Um, he's healthy his starts were up and down during the spring uh, but one of the things that that Bud Black and Steve Foster said repeatedly this spring was please do not read too much into these pitchers performances Um, they will be ready to go we're asking them to work on things Um, you know I, I get that I get not wanting to to show your hand too much necessarily i get that these guys are are established pros at this point but at the same time john gray and tyler anderson still have plenty to mm-hmm. work through they're not justin verlander who we saw what he did yesterday you know i'll give the benefit of the doubt to a guy like verlander i'm not going to give the benefit of the doubt to gray or to anderson but what i will say about anderson heading into this game is that yes there there's positives to build off of from last year it's not like he's trying to exercise demons necessarily the same way that john gray was yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I mean, you know,
1: I've said it multiple times on this podcast and talking with people that I was down there at spring training, saw Anderson start twice, and I was just beyond unimpressed with him. Uh, you know, and, you know, you said, buddy, tells us not to read into this stuff too much. But at the end of the day, stats are stats and performances are performances, whether he's working on stuff or not. You know, I obviously hope that Tyler Anderson can go out there tonight and really give them something um, in, a, in the positive light to try to push them to their first victory of the season. But at this point in time, you know, you talked about him being an up and down peaks and valleys pitcher. To me, this has valleys and lows written all over it.
0: Yeah, I... He's coming out of a peak, and yeah. that's and that's the concern: is yep. that is he is he set for a valley? Um, we will find out tonight, and then Absolutely. we get your guy Armand Marquez uh, in the and finale he'll pull on everyone Saturday. away. Sorry, I don't know if he actually will, but he'll have a good start. Uh, and, and to my knowledge, uh, if you bear with me and let me vamp for just a quick moment, uh, we still don't know yet who Arizona is planning to start. Yeah. Uh, that is still a TBD. Uh, there's been rumors that it's going to be Granky. Uh, I'm fleshing that out as we. Speak. So hang on one second here, folks. But um, of course, um, my computer doesn't want to cooperate with me. But uh, yeah, the, the the if it's Marquez against Granke, which uh, ESPN is saying that that's who it's going to be at this point. Um, that doesn't make things any easier for Armand. Um, Not at but, all. But boy, would that it would really sting uh, for the Rockies to be swept. to be swept in the opening series by Arizona.
1: And then they have to go play a San Diego team who we all think, you know, is going to be in the gutters for the most part. But they made some nice improvements this offseason.
0: Yeah. San Diego isn't going to be as bad as they were last year, nor are the Giants, as we saw yesterday um, opening day. Look, a lot of overreaction. That's what we've been talking about. It is over overreaction opening day or reaction friday yeah exactly and so that's why we wanted to do this podcast look we're we're overreacting some other folks out there in the media other fans are overreacting it's natural it's okay take it in stride Um, it's it's game number one everyone's amped up we're amped up Uh, the, the broadcasters are amped up i mean you could hear you know you could hear drew talking about it on the on the tv broadcast you could hear you know uh jerry talking about it on on radio even though it's something that he's been doing for yeah. years and years and years there's um, optimism yep. and
1: there's pressure to live up and to the hype of last year
0: yep there's there's all kinds of stuff but they will start to settle into this groove it was an early spring i mean we were playing yeah. a march opening day for the first time in franchise history so a lot of things to you know to, to weigh into all of this we don't want to read too too much into it obviously you want to get out of the gate strong and you want to start with a win or at least a series win Hey, at the bare minimum, you want to pick up a win in your opening series when you're on the road. Um, One week from today, though, this town is going to be absolutely... Crazy uh, to, to borrow a phrase from, from your age group, it's going to be lit. Yeah. I believe it's how, how the folks like to say it. Uh, it's going to be wild. Uh, we're going to be partying downtown. Please stop by Tap 14 and hang out with us because it is going to be an amazing day as the Rockies take on the Braves for opening day. One week from today. Please stop by and see us and pick up a copy of Mile High Sports Magazine. Uh yes, do it. Uh, it is out today. Uh, check out Mile High Sports' social media accounts because we've got uh, we've got some uh, fun stuff coming to promote this awesome Rockies baseball preview. And uh, I'm really excited for some things that we have in the works for the May edition, which is our Sports Science edition. Uh, we're going to dig into the science of Charlie Blackman's beard. All right, there we right? go. That's going to be a good one. one. But uh, but please check out uh, all the great coverage from Anilo Piro at MileHighSports.com. You can follow him at A Piro Sports. You can follow me at light on his feet on twitter this is the blake street Regulars podcast we'll see you at 1920 blake street one week from today but we will catch you on the podcast again on monday as we we're going to try and react we're yeah. going to try and not overreact to this opening series against arizona and look forward to that series against san diego that'll be coming monday morning uh until then have a very good good friday And a great Easter and or Passover, whichever one you celebrate, or just an awesome spring weekend if you celebrate neither one of those. This is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14. I am Casey Light. We will talk to you again on Monday.